0: all kinds of people can be pro life because at the end of the day it's it's a pretty it's a pretty basic position to say yeah i think hu- in uh, prenatal humans they're they're innocent human beings just as valuable as you and i do and so they they don't deserve to be killed they deserve freedom from violence like that's not that radical a position to take just like it's not radical to oppose i don't know sex trafficking or torturing puppies so like you can you can come from all sorts of demographics and be anti abortion and if you're anti abortion like please join us
1: All right, folks, welcome back. Humans of the Pro Life Movement episode, and we are featuring the one, the only Marie McCann. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Cam. How about you?
1: Living the dream. I cannot complain. We just finished our um, online crash course. Um, We've got some more discussions going around around that. I'm heading down to Florida again.
0: I'm jealous. I haven't been since 2019. So jealous.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm fired up. We got good teams going both weeks. I'll only be there for just over one week of i helping out with the training for both weeks, but then I get to fly back to my lovely wife and children um, after the second training is done. And Alex, uh, my colleague here in Calgary, is tapping in for me. You've been to Florida before. Is it just 2019 or did you go before that as well?
0: Uh, three times, uh,
1: 2016, yeah. 18 and 19. Yeah. Gotcha. Whew. A uh, experienced person. We'll have to get you back down there again to help out. Um <laughs> This is cool. And and so I'm sure that some of the people uh, in our audience, many of them possibly, would be familiar with the work that you do. You've been um, a, an integral part, I would argue, of the CCPR community for a number of years now, um, offering training and helping out with activism and leading um, stuff throughout Southwest Ontario. But I'm curious. Um, if a younger Maria McCann were to view this video, somehow we invented time travel. Would a younger Maria McCann be surprised by where you ended up and the role that you are playing in the pro-life movement? Or is this kind of always a little bit of the trajectory that you were on from from say high school kind of thing? Or what what was your origin story? I guess.
0: Mm. Oh, that's a I, that's an interesting question. So. We don't have a time machine, but we do have a scrapbook project that Grade Eight Maria McCann had to make about things she was passionate about. And Grade mm. Eight Maria McCann spoke very uh, passionately, but not very eloquently, about how much she uh, opposed abortion and won Ooh. and thought it was like one of the number one crises in the world. So, so I don't. I think younger Maria would be surprised at that. I'm working in the movement now. like that wasn't even something that was really on my radar when I was younger, but I don't think she'd be surprised that it's still something I'm passionate about. In terms of origin story, I was I was really fortunate to grow up in a super pro-life family. Um, my parents were both um, very, very pro-life uh, and also both practiced as physicians. So they had a lot of like real day-to-day experience with grappling with um, bioethics, not in the abstract, but in the concrete. Um, and and so they taught us from a very young age about abortion and uh, about why it was wrong. And they also taught, talked to us about a lot of other bioethical issues like um, euthanasia, stem cell research, et cetera. Um, but I think something that really cemented those values like experientially was when my younger brother was born, um, my youngest sibling, John Paul. Um, when my mom was pregnant with him at twenty-eight weeks, she developed some really severe complications and uh had to have an emergency C-section. And because of all the circumstances surrounding that emergency C-section, um, John Paul almost died. Um, and so did my and my mom almost died. Thankfully they both survived. My mom recovered, my brother um, developed like a a whole host of disabilities because of all these complications surrounding his birth. Um, And he's just been like the light of my life. And I'd say the light of countless lives. We joke here in London that we're basically just John Paul's entourage. Like everyone knows John Paul and loves John Paul. Um, But I think he like seeing him so small and frail and vulnerable, this, you know, 28 week old preemie attached to all these wires. And seeing how how his value wasn't dependent on how productive he was or wasn't how cognitively developed he was or wasn't like that just really cemented to me experientially that like the value of a human being isn't in what they can do or what they provide to society quote unquote that is just in who they are um and so yeah so that was like experientially what really fed those pro-life values i guess
1: Gotcha. That that's a beautiful story, and I thank you for sharing that. And and I can I can only imagine how it it's not only yeah what 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 are you currently giving to me, but also even for the future, right? I feel like so often I hear pro-lifers, and and I don't know your thoughts on this, but pro-lifers making weak or incomplete arguments about like okay, well maybe they're not contributing right now, but they will contribute in the future. Or one thing that really pains me in the light of disability is the number of people that will share a beautiful testimony with a little bit of the wrong intentions of, oh, well, when I was pregnant, I was told my child might have disabilities, but guess what? They don't. And so like abortion is wrong because maybe the child isn't going to have disabilities. And I wonder if you could speak into that, because obviously that's been a, a catalyst um, for not only becoming more active in the movement, but also um, in in talking with you off screen and, and just knowing you before this episode. This is a, a passion for you on the realm of, value of people with disabilities and and how we approach abortion um, through the lens of valuing humans not dependent on their current contributions but even not considering potential contributions or anything like that but rather value being rooted in our humanity and our humanity alone
0: yeah so so there's sort of like oh that's such an interesting question i feel like there's there's two extremes people could go to so one extreme someone could go to is to say like in discussion about abortion and say fetal personhood to say that like future contributions don't matter at all, like that they're not a factor at all. Um, and another extreme you could go to is to say that that's like the most important thing. So, so I would say that like, I do think a human being's life is valuable regardless of what they can or cannot contribute. Um, and regardless of how, how long they live or don't live. And I also think like one of the factors that makes abortion Particularly egregious is that it deprives what the philosopher Don Marquis calls it deprives the embryo of a future like ours. So if you think of all the valuable experiences human beings ever will have, that's stolen completely from an embryo. Like that's it, it steals her entire future, it steals everything she ever. Could not just achieve, but also experience. Um, so I think that's one of the factors that makes abortion particularly wrong. But I don't think it's the only factor. I think that a human being should have human rights regardless of their abilities, and even if we have, even if they'll never contribute anything, um, or even depending on what you even mean by contribute. I think that simply being in the world and being present is a contribution. But yeah, maybe that was like a, a weird answer to that question. But yeah. <laughs>
1: No, I, I think that's fantastic. I think that's a beautiful way to put it and, and how, um, I mean, there's a contribution for the sake of the people around, there's contribution for the sake of their own, like experience for the sake of their own. And and even if I don't value a contribution that somebody else is making, like, like their experience is valuable to them, even if it may not be valuable to me and all that kind of stuff. This is a bit of a teaser as well, Maria, because I'd love to have you on to dive a little bit more fully into topics like this in a more open and free ranging um, apologetics Style conversation, but but in light of the humans, the pro life movement kind of focus. I'm, I'm curious. So that kind of catalyzed uh, a deeper and more intentional approach to the pro life issue and and abortion involvement. Um, and now you're working full time, and and I feel like there's a few dots that need to get connected between, between the two of those of, of <laughs> yeah, a <for> profound sure. <laughs> family experience and and now working full time. And and maybe walk me through what what those dots might include.
0: Mm, yeah, that's a good question. So. Basically, like, as I said, grew up really pro-life. I grew up convicted that like abortion wasn't just like one of the bad things among many, but that it was like a crisis. But I didn't really, I hadn't experienced the fact that I could make a difference in a way that I could actually see. Um, then in university, I joined the pro-life club in like my second year. Cause you know, in first year, you know, don- you often don't join a lot of clubs cause you're just like trying to float and survive. So like second year I got more involved with the pro-life club. Um, and then, uh, got taken to a pro-life student conference in Toronto. And I say got taken, to, not went to, because I didn't want to go, but somebody else paid my way. And so I felt like obligated to go out of gratitude. Um This is just like funny how the, how the Lord works. Um And there at that um, conference, I encountered a lot of folks from CCBR and I had encountered CCBR before and actually like kind of disliked the organization and had all sorts of like crazy misconceptions about it. Like really um, didn't understand where they were coming from. And then at this conference, when I heard all these speakers and then got to talk with some of them, like at the lunch hour and the coffee hour and stuff, I was like more and more convicted that, wow, these people really seem to be onto something. And so I went and did my first choice chain with them. Um, Totally thought I was going to get like murdered or something because it was in Toronto. And I was like, I don't have the self defense skills for this. Um, Thankfully did not get murdered. It was very safe and peaceful. Um, And then uh, your uh, former co-host Peter Boss reached out through a Facebook message and invited me to attend the Abortion Awareness Project. And I thought about it and prayed about it and th- thought, yeah, I, sh- that's, I-, I should do that. Um, and so I went and did that in 2016. Basically felt like a nuclear bomb dropped in my life because I saw all these people become like super pro-life right in front of my eyes. And sometimes I like barely had to do anything. Sometimes all I had to do was kind of gesture at the, the photos behind me of the abortion victims. And the light bulb would go on for all these different people. Um, and also talked with a lot of people there who were really deeply hurting in different ways, um, students who, yeah, were just really hurting and found that just by trying to engage with empathy and, and kindness that that made a big impact on people. Um, and so f- I would say from there, I was think I, I was already thinking, I think I might want to do this professionally. Um, and so then that summer, I interned for National Campus Life Network when they had a, an office in Toronto, um, met a whole bunch of folks who are some of your colleagues now and in the, and in the past, um, and did a lot of stuff with Toronto Right to Life and Toronto Against Abortion as well. So that was like a crazy, awesome summer. And then the next summer interned for CCBR and then like helped co-found London Against Abortion and like the rest is history, I guess. Yeah.
1: Love it. The, the the trap line of, of touch points. And I, I, I'm so glad that you brought up the abortion awareness project in Florida because I feel like it's a catalyst for so many people. I know that it was for me of not only could I make a difference, but like you can make a significant difference. You go down there for a week and you talk to like 50 or 60 or maybe even more people and you witness a dozen of them or more become fully pro-life and a whole bunch of really good conversations and all those conversations that like kind of slip away. You get them like 90% of the way there. And they're like, oh, I gotta go to class. You're like, oh my goodness, give me 10 more minutes and and you'll be fully pro-life. And and just that that understanding that that people can change, especially when there's the combination of the human interaction and the abortion victim photography working together to get them thinking about the abortion issue in a whole new way. And that's so cool how it's led to so much leadership and and so many different ways that you've been able to get your finger into a whole bunch of different pies. That's awesome. I, I feel like we've talked about the the blaze conspiracy a long time. And I feel like at some <laughs> point we're going to get like a, a subtract on, on the Maria McCann <laughs> conspiracy um, of, of the different pies that you've got your fingers in. Well, but I, Some conspiracies
0: I, are nested inside other conspiracies uh, to, gotcha. to put it, to put it mildly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, and, and so maybe looking at, at those experiences, whether with CCBR, with um, Toronto right to life or national campus life network, or now um, with uh, London against abortion and other groups, What kind of experiences stand out? Are there particular interactions, conversations, either with abortion-minded people that you've talked to on street corners or on doorsteps, or even within the pro-life movement of touch points with different pro-life leaders that have stood out as being... Uh, major motivators or contributors to to be as involved and continue to be as involved? Because I'm sure that not all days are are sunshine and roses. And so what kind of experiences Mm -hmm. stand out as motivators to keep you um, involved and keep you motivated, I guess? Hmm.
0: A day that really stands out to me is in March of 2018, the Pro Life Week of Action was happening. Um, I, maybe the—I I don't think it was the first time. It was maybe like the second time that um, CCBR and Toronto Right to Life were running it. And it's a, it's a a week long um, conference and activism boot camp uh, for high school students during their March break. And on the final day of it, I, I wasn't involved in it per se because I was in my last semester at Western University. Um, but I just completed some. Essays and stuff, and was really tired of school. So I like fled the city and went to Toronto for the day to, to join um, uh, Pro Life Week of Action for some activism. And that day just always stands out in my memory because there there were there were like about twenty of us on what was then Ryerson Campus, now Toronto Metropolitan University, and it is known it is well known for being an aggressively pro choice campus. Um, aggressively in the sense that like pro lifers have been attacked and assaulted there um and on this particular day it was like uh i don't want to say shooting fish in a barrel because that sounds like a violent uh, 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 phrasing but like feeding fish it was like feeding fish in a barrel uh so to speak i just saw person after person after person become either more pro-life or fully pro-life um the first two people that I spoke to, like a young woman and then a young man after, were both like kind of in the middle, didn't know what they thought about it. And pretty much as soon as they saw the photos, they became pro-life, like set up at another corner, a young woman who's really concerned about poverty and difficult circumstances. And so we talked through how that's not an appropriate solution, how killing isn't an appropriate solution to those hardships. And we also talked about the, the kind of concrete support that's available for mothers and um, and then she was like, "Oh, I think you guys are doing a great thing here," and left pro life. Um, another person who walked up to me and just said, "Thank you to you guys for being so respectful and kind," because there were also um, pro abortion counter protesters there on campus that day. Although we thankfully vastly outnumbered them, which was kind of fun, um, and they were we 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 do we always do our best to treat them with respect as well. But we're also we're not going to let them we're not just going to stand there and let them block us like we're going to try to keep getting our message out. Um, But they were engaging with, you know, anger, hostility, yelling, would try to interrupt conversations, even when students stopped and wanted to talk with us. And so this person just said, thank you for like showing kindness and respect. And, And that really that really was encouraging, because I think that Devorah Stacey, who uh, used to work with CCBR and is a, a dear friend of mine has often said that like at choice chain, our job is to show AVP and to be kind to people. Um, and obviously we want to do more than that. If we can, we want to engage with all the amazing apologetics and stuff, but those are our two like baseline goals and everything on top of that is icing on the cake. Um, there was a young man I met that day who had friends who were in a crisis pregnancy and needed help, but they were all like uh, like newcomers to Canada or weren't well connected with the resources. Um, and he told me that they were committed to not having an abortion, like they were committed to their child, but they were really struggling fin- like financially and socially. And so I asked him, do you know about the pregnancy care centers in Toronto? Um, and he said he didn't have any idea what those were. And so I walked him through what those were and gave him the resource card for it. And he said to me, he's like, this is amazing. Like I was, I was praying for some kind of help to, to come that I could offer to my friends. And then now I'm standing here talking to you today. Like, this is wild. And I was like, dude, this is wild too. Like I, I am so, I am so happy. Um, But I think another thing I want to say though, is that that day I was doing activism primarily alongside high school students for whom this was their first Pro life activism, and they were also doing absolutely amazing jobs. So I just, I really want to emphasize that because although, yes, I had more, maybe more training or more experience than they did, they didn't need years of training and experience to be super effective apologists on the streets. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, my uh, my, my uh, friend Micah, who was there that week as a high school student doing the Pro Life Week of Action, he was talking with one of the counter-protesters and was just sharing with him these compassionate and effective arguments and why we were there um, and being uh, kind and not nasty. And the counter-protester got a little frustrated and said, like, I want to hate you, but you're just so nice, Um, which I think is a great compliment. Um, The researcher, Brene Brown, sometimes says people are hard to hate close up. And I think that that was a good example of it. Um, And yeah, just the other... My friend Sarah who was again a high school student at that time she was talking with a whole bunch of university students they were so impressed by her intelligence with how she communicated that they asked her so what year of school are you in here and she said a fourth year high school um, so, yeah so just to summarize i guess it was it was such an amazing day saw so many people become pro life but I wasn't the only one who had all those experiences. All the newbies who just had a few hours of training and experience under their belts, they were also able to do all that and change minds. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's been one of the coolest things that I've witnessed of the expansion of, in in a lot of ways, the Pro-Life Week of Action. I know that Blaze and I are in a bit of a thumb wrestle over the naming of events because we've been calling our high school events our, our high school boot camps. Um, but to to give a quick shout out that, that I... High school students and people that are brand new to the movement can see incredible success. We to share a couple of random statistics with people. Um, so we did our Calgary High School boot camp, our kind of Calgary equivalent to the pro life week of action last summer. Our team had three hundred and fourteen conversations with the public, including pro-lifers. And of that, eighty-seven of them became fully pro-life by the end of a conversation. Wow. Right? That's, like these um, are our Right? Like, like that's wild. And to think that these are grade 10, 11, 12 kids that have never done any pro-life activism before and are diving right in. We saw similar statistics in Winnipeg as well. And and they're on college campuses. They're downtown talking to business people and whatnot. These kids can't even drive. And <laughs> they're they're changing the hearts and minds of people who are decades older than older than them with all of these lived experiences and post abortive moms and dads and all this kind of thing. And I say that. To empower our high school students if you're listening and you're in high school definitely sign up for the pro-life week of action or one of our other high school boot camps um but if if you're not in high school know that you don't need pre-existing experience to be able to make an impact like you said so much of what we do is fostering relationship between a passerby and a pre-born child who's been killed by abortion through abortion victim photography and kindness sharing with them that that we're not here to hate people who have had abortions or support abortion, that we are here to work collaboratively with them to find better solutions that don't involve killing human beings to solve the problems that people are faced with. I think it's a great way to put it. And I'm glad that you mentioned that the high school program in particular, um, and, and obviously, a, a quick shout on as well, because a lot of people only think about the young people getting involved. We get lots of young people involved as well. Um, but I think about some of the older people. Our Calgary Crash Course um, saw similar people, and most of the uh, attendees were retirees who were part of our Calgary Crash Course. right and,
0: and if I could jump in on that, that's, that's another thing I want to say is that – Sometimes in the pro life movement, in our like zeal to recruit the youth, we sometimes talk about it in a way that makes it sound like if you're if you're over forty, like you're you're, you're basically expired or something. Um, and and I just want to give a quick a quick story. When I was at the Toronto Crash Course earlier this summer, um, I had given a talk as part of the morning presentation, and then I went out with them in the afternoon to do activism. Um, And there was a woman there named Maureen who is now super involved out on the East Coast with starting activism. She's in her retirement years and she was extremely nervous. um, um, Sorry, I don't wanna say extremely nervous. Like She was was nervous and she felt like she wasn't gonna do a good job of it. So we were doing activism. Um, Our area, there wasn't that much foot traffic. And I, I realized towards the end of activism that where I was stationed was getting more people than where Maureen was stationed. So I just said to her, hey, like, do you want to switch Because so that you get a chance to get more conversations? You can come stand here. And she said, sure. And then within, like, moments of her doing that, a woman stopped and they had a b- relatively brief conversation. And Maureen shared the apologetics with her. And then as we were ending Choice Chain, Maureen looked at me with just, like, happy shock. And she was like, it – it, it worked like she she shifted her perspective so much. I just shared these the simple things you guys told me to share and it she didn't say that she changed her mind, but she said that her perspective had been shifted. And so again, Maureen Maureen didn't need to be somebody with, you know, a biology degree, biology degree and a philosophy degree and like a counseling degree to go and do do choice chain and be effective. She just, she needed to be kind. She needed to be willing to show up and she needed to know some simple but effective arguments. And she used those and made an impact. And it was so encouraging to her. And I was so encouraged to see her because I could see the same like happiness and surprise in her eyes that I knew I felt when I first saw people changing their mind on abortion.
1: Absolutely. And that, that's got to be edifying for you as well as somebody who offers training to a lot of different people. I know that for me as well, it, that goes so far to see a, a high school kid who knows all about TikTok and res, like <laughs> takes the principles that I am conveying and applies them in a way that like make sense coming out of their mouth and then to have somebody like Maureen or I think often of Carolyn Pinnell. Carolyn, I don't know if you're listening Mm. to this, but Carolyn, we love you here in Calgary Um, and I'm sure across Canada as well. But um, Carolyn Pinnell that that doesn't know uh, more about TikTok than I do. Um, She looks (laughs) younger than I am, but she's a little bit older than I am. And um, she's going to have a a different application of the principle. She's going to use different language and different terminology that's going to make sense coming out of her mouth. Um, And to see all of the spectrum of pro-life warriors and ambassadors that are out there applying these principles in ways that, um, communicate the same basic principles, but might take on radically different language, um, concepts and whatnot. It's so cool. So cool as a trainer. And I'm sure that you probably have, have experienced that as well of of seeing people that are on all different demographics and, and spectrums on, um, their, their social, um, Skills and comfort and all that kind of thing, but still being able to convey the principles that are going to resonate and change hearts and minds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like also seeing people, seeing people become pro life from all, seeing people become pro life who come from all sorts of demographics. Like again, I think back to that first AAP, I'm old enough to know what to remember when it was called GAP. Um, I feel like. when when you've been in the pro-life movement, like for more than a few years, you start to feel like you're you're aging because the names of projects all keep changing and you want to call them by the old name. But like, I remember seeing people there become pro-life who self-identified as Democrat or atheist or self-identified as like someone who is LGBT plus. Um, And again, like any Like there might be all sorts of other things that, you know, if you, if you find a group of pro-life people, they might disagree on many, many different things. And it's okay to have, you know, productive discussions about those things too, But I think we have to remember that, like, all kinds of people can be pro-life because at the end of the day, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty basic position to say, yeah, I think uh, prenatal humans they're they're innocent human beings, just as valuable as you and I do, and so they they don't deserve to be killed. They deserve freedom from violence. Like, that's not that radical a position to take. Just like it's not radical to oppose, I don't know, sex trafficking or torturing puppies. So like, you can you can come from all sorts of demographics and be anti-abortion. And if you're anti-abortion, like, please join
1: us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the last one I want to throw your way of just what's coming down the tube in 2024. I'm sure that with with Southwest Ontario being a bit of a hotbed for pro-life engagement and activism anyways, and, and groups coming up, I know the Peel Against Abortion is really kicking off. Um, well, what does 2024 look like um, from your perspective? And what are you excited about coming up here?
0: Uh, one thing I'm really excited about is London Against Abortion, like um, which is the the local outreach uh, team here in London. Uh, we're in, been, we've been increasing our activism. Um, so we we went dormant a little bit during COVID, partly because with COVID there were times where it was impossible to do activism, and partly because um, just where our team members lived and stuff shifted, um, and we just had a, a shift in who was on the team. Um, but now. That we're sort of out like out of those uh, restrictions and things are a little more stable we've been able to run more outreach and train more people and then as you're running more outreach and training more people it's a it's a domino effect right more people then want to get involved and we were out um just this past saturday with uh and almost almost everyone on the team was new or newish to activism um but we had a, a really productive outreach so I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm involved with For Life London, which is the the local Right to Life group here. And we are aiming to do one to two um, apologetics talks per month in churches. So we've been reaching out to all the different churches in the area trying to book uh, pro-life dialogue trainings. And it's been really encouraging to see people come out to that. Um, and then yeah so that's what i'm encouraged for in london and then like beyond that there's you know there's the the many the, the many marches for life like there's all these different community groups getting more and more active the crash courses and it's it's pretty exciting momentum i'd say
1: That's fantastic. It is a good time to be active in the pro-life movement. Good time to get active in the pro-life movement. There's a ton of opportunities. There are summer-long internships. There are day-long crash courses and two-hour-long workshops that you can get tied into. If you're not actively plugged in with um, any of these groups, please do so. I mean, listening to the podcast is good. Um as an audience member, I love it that you're along for the ride, but I'd love to invite you to get more involved and maybe maybe be inspired by people like Maria and others who are active in the movement and constantly looking for uh, more ways, new ways to get people like you and I more active. So Maria, thank you a ton for taking the time to join me. And thanks for all the work that you're doing in London.
0: Thanks, Cam. Uh, Right back at you. I'm really glad to be be part of the team, be in the movement.